You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to Voice Junkie. It's been an exciting and eventful week in the world of professional wrestling. This past week, a new professional wrestling league called AWE released. It's a great fan affair. I mean, you know, it's ran by the billionaire owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars for the NFL, and it's run by Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, the tag team, and then also uh, Kenny Omega. So it it opened to great fanfare because you had the main event match of uh, Chris Jericho versus, you know, Kenny Omega. Uh, At the end of the match, you had a surprise, you know, guest appearance or surprise introduction to the new and reborn Dean Ambrose. Now he's going as John Moxley. So, you know, I can go on and on and on about the show. I'm not going to give no reviews because you can get all those reviews online. I just wanted to talk about the dynamic of what AWE brings to professional wrestling, how it helps professional wrestling excel and get better. Because right now, the only show in town and the only show in town that has been around has been WWE. WWE has been the only show in town since they purchased WCW back in 2001. Since then, we've been bored to death. I mean, I'm not going to say in the past 20 years they haven't done anything any, anything eventful after the Attitude Era in, in the 90s, but it has been pretty relatively safe for the past 10 to 15 years. They've been, you know, so entrenched in this PG era that it's just disgusted everyone that's in my generation. I, you know, I'm about to be 35, but the millennial generation, the older millennial generation, like my generation, or, you know, the people that's, you know, 35, 40, 42, in that age range, we've been disgusted. We're the ones that's really been supporting the product. We got kids. Yeah, we may bring our kids, but guess what? Guess who's paying those tickets? Us. And we grew up watching the Attitude Era. We grew up watching the rivalry, the Monday Night Wars between WCW's Nitro, Monday Night Nitro, and, you know, WWF at the time, now WWE's Monday Night Raw. I mean, those were the greatest times, man, and they'll never get to those times again, but it brought competition. It brought better product across the board. It was better storytelling. It was better just matches. It was better everything. So since... 2001 since WCW you know wet the bed and went away it's just been you know boredom so I don't follow it I mean I follow wrestling because it's always going to be in my blood I grew up watching wrestling and it's always going to be in my blood but it has kind of I kind of lost the love for it I don't watch it as much as I used to I don't watch it nearly as much as I used to, but I do follow it. If somebody on the street said, hey, what's going on with this wrestler or what's going on with this event or what's going on with this, that, and the third, yeah, I can tell you what's going on. I always follow it. I always keep a close ear to what's going on in the streets or what's going on in the internet streets. So I I get what's going on. But AWE brings an exciting dynamic to the wrestling business. They... Cody Rhodes, I'm going to say they, Cody Rhodes and uh, the Young Bucks have made it their mission to make this 
experience make this new brand all about taking care of the boys, a.k.a. the wrestlers. So they, you know, from what I've read, they're going to, you know, do things that the WWE doesn't do, which is um, provide health care for their freaking wrestlers. For so long, the WWE has not provided health care for the wrestlers because they, quote unquote, are contractors. But this is the crazy thing that is so insane to me and how they've been able to get away with this for so long. The WWE I'm talking about and Vince McMahon. You've been able to get away with calling your wrestlers contractors, but signing them to exclusive deals where they can't go and work other promotions. How in the world are they classified as contractors when they can't even go and freelance and work at other promotions? But they're contractors. Then you don't provide them the health care. So WWE has been getting away with crap for years. Vince McMahon has been, you know, a great benefit to the business because he's the one that kind of made it more entertaining. He's brought it to the light far as the masses uh, on a television scale. He's been important as far as commercializing wrestling as a whole. I mean, he's the guy. But he's been a huge cancer to the wrestling business as well because he has stifled the wrestling business from growing to something even bigger and better because he's been the only show in town because he's he's gobbled up and he's devoured all his competition. And, you know, it's like the free market. It's like any other business. When you don't have enough competition and, and, and said profession, then that profession struggles. You got to have competition. And, and the point is, AWE is going to bring that competition. It's good to see that. Are they going to completely wash the WWE? No, they're not. And those guys over there don't want to do that. They just want to have another option available for us wrestling fans who want to be more in tuned with the wrestling product. We don't give a damn about the entertainment aspect. You know, we just want to be entertained by the wrestling. We want good wrestling matches, and we want really good storytelling. That has been lost to me. That is the most important part to me, and that's storytelling. Character development. There's just none of that really happening in the WWE. There's a lot of great talent there that is being squandered by their ineptitude to write compelling stories. It's been like this. Wrestlers have left for years complaining about how inept the WWE is with writing stories and, and character development. Ryback had an issue. CM Punk, you know, classically had a, a, a whole issue about that. That's why he split. And John Moxley, a.k.a. formerly Dean Ambrose, is going all over the internet, all on these different podcasts, and explaining his issue with the WWE and why he ultimately decided to split himself. And he didn't, you know, credit to him. He didn't really, you know, he didn't crap all over the WWE. He just said, listen, I I have these issues with how the product is being, um, you know, ran far as my character and how my character is being portrayed and it's just not the character that I want I I want. It's basically he's saying, listen, I don't agree with how Vince McMahon is writing my character and how his little minions, his AKA's writers, is is writing my scripts. I don't need anyone to write a script for me. I can do this shit without that. Cause I, me, Dean Ambrose, aka John Moxley, 
knows my character best. That was his whole point. His whole point was saying that. And he's not the only wrestler that has said that over the past, I don't know, decade or so. It's a real issue in the WWE. They have a real problem with character development. They have a real problem with writing compelling stories. You got Roman Reigns going on TV a few years ago when we crapped all over him. You telling Roman Reigns to throw a line in his promo talking about sucking, sucker and succotash or whatever. That's that's corny. But you got a 70 plus year old man trying to write in crap that isn't resonating, crap that nobody can relate to in the 2019 era in this 21st century. He's so behind. He doesn't. He's so out of touch, Vince McMahon. It's it's gross how out of touch he is. And now you know I've read stories. Him and Hunter having you know Hunter Triple H having issues with creative and how and the creative direction and how things are being written. I mean, perfect example. Look at NXT. Right? NXT just had their pay per view last night in my state of Connecticut in Bridgeport, and they tore the house down. They had A's across the board. Every match on the card got an A. And that's no coincidence. That's because NXT nails it consistently when it comes to storytelling and character development. And the problem is, once those, 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 those uh, developed characters, wrestlers, leave NXT and go to the main product in WWE, they get lost. And they get turned into some other crap that isn't compelling, that isn't nothing. Look at IE, Shinsuke Nakamura. Look what they did to Shinsuke Nakamura. That man was a fucking rock star in New Japan wrestling, and he was a rock star in NXT because NXT knows how to write compelling stories and they know how to develop characters properly. He was a rock star. Then he got to the main roster and he's forgotten. He's just another guy because Vince don't know what the hell to do with a Shinsuke Nakamura. You know, now wrestlers are seeing the success of AWE and they're seeing how good it is, how the grass is, in fact, greener on the other side. Now, to give credit to the other independent leagues, look, before AEW came out, look, other wrestling leagues are pretty good and they've been surviving and been able to, you know, sustain themselves throughout the years. Yeah, they're not big major promotions like I'm talking about, you know, organizations like, you know, ROH, like Ring of Honor, uh, New Japan Wrestling, like They've been doing really good, compelling matches and storytelling. They've been doing that for years. So this is not me glorifying AEW. I'm only saying, look, AEW is just going to bring that same energy from the independent scene, bring that same energy, but bring it on a bigger and higher scale, a more broad scale because they got the money. They got a billionaire backing them. So now... It, it's a whole new ball game when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. They got the TV deal already. They're going to be on TNT. It's like the Monday Night Wars all over again. Now, we don't know what day they're going to have their, their television um, show. You know, I'm not sure if it's Monday. I'm not sure if it's Tuesday. I'm not sure what day that's going to be because they're not going to launch that show until the early fall. But it's a good sign for professional wrestling. So, Wrestlers are definitely inquiring about the likes of AEW and New Japan Wrestling now that AEW made its uh, debut. Because now wrestlers are saying, man, you know what? That looks a lot. That looks like a lot of fun. You know, there's reports that 
this is you know at least a you know two handfuls of big name stars behind the scenes either inquiring about a release or at least asking about um, or acquiring information about how AEW works as a company. So there's there's wrestlers on the current roster at WWE that's looking to get the hell out of uh, get the hell out of a get you know get on a dodge. You know I don't blame them. You know Luke Harper is one of those guys, talented wrestler man. They just don't know what to do with him. Vince got him in Rowan. They had remember that t- tag team they had and they had fake hammers and all this other cosplay crap that Vince created. Vince McMahon doesn't know what he's doing anymore. He doesn't know what he's doing anymore. And that's fine. He can go away and be a chairman of the board, worry about business. And, and hey, hey, Vince, go and, you know, put all your energy into the XFL. Remember, XFL failed miserably before. Now you invested, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to relaunch it. Why don't you put all your energy into that, Vince, and turn the keys over to Shane, your your your, your um, son, or turn it over to Hunter, who's already doing a hell of a job over there in NXT. That's what Vince needs to do. If WWE, if WWE doesn't want to have this mass exodus of superstar wrestlers saying, you know what, I know you can give me more money, but I'm going to split anyway because I'm going to trade money for my happiness. Like, I'd rather have happiness over a, 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 a freaking pot of money. And a lot of wrestlers have that mentality. And it's not going to stop. There's still going to be a mass exodus of wrestlers that's going to leave until the WWE changes its tune, man. You can't keep waltzing out Brock Lesnar, paying him God knows how much money. He's not drawing asses to the seats. Newsflash, Vince. Brock Lesnar is not an attraction. He's an attraction to you. You get a crazy hard-on for having some kind of control over Brock Lesnar, which he really don't because he has control over you. You keep giving him a pile of money while he has, like, what, 10 dates a year? It's a joke. You know, if you're paying an undertaker, you know, a quadrillion dollars to have a match in Saudi Arabia or WrestleMania, and this guy's, like, 50 years old. You keep bringing back these old stars to try to juice up and get ratings, and it's not working anymore. This is all a part of Vince's, you know, I don't know, plan, I guess. And it's not really a good one. So it'll be interesting to see this dynamic as far as how this directly affects the WWE as far as their product is concerned. You know, WWE is massive. They're the Disney they're the Walt Disney of professional wrestling. So they're not going anywhere by any means. But it's going to be interesting to see what type of direction they go in in the next few weeks, the next few months. Are they going to make more of an edgier turn? Are you going to be more of an NXT type brand going forward? That's what people want. That's what the true diehard, hardcore wrestling fans want. They want NXT on a bigger scale. They want NXT style of wrestling and show promoting on the main brand, on the main rosters of Raw and SmackDown. And, and, you know, we'll see what happens going forward. Well, on the political side of the spectrum this week, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ted Cruz came to hmm, an understanding 
So yes, Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, congresswoman from uh, New York, both agree that we need to rid the system of politicians who hang up their career as politicians, who go through the back door and become lobbyists to work against the best interests of Americans so they can get themselves a bigger payday. The idea is to rid the system of this type of corruption that goes on and that has been going on for years and years. So what these politicians do is they lobby on the best in, uh, against the interests of Americans, a lobby in the best interests of big money donors. So a lot of politicians, when they retire as politicians, they go into being lobbyists. There was a number out there, a stat that said 60% of former congressmen, congresswomen, or you know, former senators, etc., go off to become lobbyists. So that is just a disgusting precedent that we have going on in this country, that we've had going on in this country for so long. Remember when Barack Obama said he would drain the swamp, that he would get rid of lobbyists or get rid of uh, politicians going to be lobbyists, etc.? And it never happened because we have an inherent corruption issue. You, you, if you don't understand politics, AOC and Ted Cruz are on the complete opposite side of the spectrum when it comes to ideology and when it comes to party. One's a Republican, obviously. One's a Democrat. So if they can come and, 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 and no bullshit, if they could come together and, and actually put something together, put something in law or, you know, put something that can be passed on on the floor of the House and the Senate, to get a vote, that, that'll be incredible because we've had for so long no cooperation from both sides working together on our best interests. So if this does, you know, amount to anything, it's a huge win for us Americans. So, you know, I'll keep my eye on it, of course. You know, I don't think anything will come from it. I, I'm sorry I feel a little pessimistic, but we live in pessimistic times. So I hope I'm wrong about this. And I hope that these guys actually come together to try to write something that is uh, pretty good for us and good for our democracy. We'll see what happens. Now let's dive into some good old NBA Finals action. We are entering Game 2, which is tonight, as I'm recording this, which is early Sunday. Tonight, the Raptors will see if they will take full control of this series by going up two games to nothing over the two-time defending Golden State Warriors. Man, this is a good series so far. This is probably the first time I've ever seen the Golden State Warriors as an underdog headed into the finals. Now, they've been to, I mean, how many finals straight? I think four or five finals straight. So to see them coming in as the underdog is just new ground. It's new territory. It's something that we haven't seen before. So it'll be interesting to see if the if the Raptors can take advantage and take a stranglehold of the series because they they came out, they did what they had to do, they handled their business, and they conquered the Warriors. They took Game One. Pascal Siakam, the young up and coming star, he went completely mental. He scored thirty two points. I think the dude only missed like two shots the whole game. I mean, is he gonna have a crazy game like that? Going forward, I don't think so. But, you know, I've seen stranger things before. 
I've seen stranger things before. You know, sometimes in sports, when it's a team's time and it's destined, there's nothing that's going to come in between that destiny. And the more I watch the Raptors, the more I'm starting to believe that this they're destined to win this whole thing. They're just destined. But there's a lot of series to come. There's a lot of series to unfold. We'll see if the Warriors will bounce back. And, you know, like I said again, the Raptors handled their business. They did what they were supposed to do. There's no way that it's acceptable for you to drop game one after the Warriors had damn near two weeks off. So the rust was on an all-time level for the Warriors. I mean, they looked completely rusty in the first half of that first game. And, you know, they started to turn it on a little bit in the third quarter. And to the credit of the Raptors, they held off numerous runs by the Golden State Warriors to take control of that game. But, you know, the Warriors have their own issues. You know, you got Iguodala. He's limping around. He, he got hurt again at the end of that game. Uh, Kevin Durant's obviously out. We don't know what the status is for him going forward, whether he'll come back later in the series or if he just won't appear at all in this series. And then you got Boogie Cousins, who made his appearance for the first time in, you know, several weeks after his quad tear injury. And he was inserted in game one. I, I, as far as Boogie Cousins is concerned, if I'm Steve Kerr, I'm not really playing him a lot because he just, you could tell, like the, 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 the pace of the game was just too much for him. And rightfully so. The guy missed so much time after tearing a quad. I mean, it's only natural for him to be a little behind the pace of what's going on right now. So, you know, if I'm Steve Kerr, I'm probably thinking twice about giving Boogie Cousins time on the court because he is a defensive liability, number one. And number two, it kind of disrupts the flow that you, your team has created over these several games without Kevin Durant and without Boogie Cousins. There's a, there's a different type of flow with this different type of movement that's real crisp and clean that this team is executing right now. And throwing a Boogie Cousins in there, throwing a Kevin Durant in there may do harm in the end. So we'll see. You know, Steph was still Steph. He was still great in the first game. He still had 30-plus points. Uh, Clay Thompson was a little off. You know, I mean, he had a solid game, but he didn't break out by any means. And they really didn't have any other help from anybody else. The bench was lacking. And Toronto's bench was excellent. You know, Van Vliet came off the bench again, and he went, you know, he's, he, he went Van Vliet doing what Van Vliet has been doing throughout the playoffs. You know, I, I said this on Twitter, too. That I remember saying on Twitter to the, uh, my followers and my peeps, I told them, Van Vliet reminds me kind of, of, you know, a young Mike Bibby. You remember Mike Bibby? Mike Bibby had that short bulldog stature. He had that bulldog mentality, but he was real clutch. He would hit big shots. Van Vliet is starting to kind of remind me of that. Uh, what Mike Bibby used to be in those old, uh, you know, sacramental days. So it'll be interesting to see if Van Vliet can keep that same energy, keep that same momentum going forward for the rest of the series. Usually these role players play great at home. How is Van Vliet, how is uh, Serge Ibaka, all these other bench players going to play once they go to Oakland to Golden uh, to Golden State? So we'll see if that same energy stays up with the bench players going forward, like I said. But 
so far, so good, man. Raptors took control of that first game. They played out of their minds. And I, I wouldn't say the Golden State Warriors didn't play well, but they weren't the typical Warriors team. They turned the ball over, I think, 16 or 17 times. That's never going to be a good thing. But they didn't get blown out exactly. They weren't the Warriors, and they didn't get blown out. You know, they still were in the game. So if I'm the Warriors, I'm I'm not at all going to press the panic button. But, you know, I, I definitely have to clean some things up. And I'm sure Steve Kerr went over those things, went over the tape with all those guys. They've been here before. They know what to expect. Hell, they were down 3-1 to one against the freaking Thunder two, three uh, playoffs ago. And that's what, and they came back from that. So this is a very experienced playoff team. It's going to take a whole lot for them to even panic or even get ruffled in any way. So I expect them to bounce back strong. And I'm actually going to pick the Warriors tonight to win the game, even though, even though Vegas has them down two points. The Raptors will be heading in. Last time I checked the spread, the Raptors were going to head into this game as a two-point favorite. I'm definitely going to pick against that and pick the Warriors to win tonight to gain regain control of the series heading back into Golden State. If they don't win tonight, man oh man, it's going to be real interesting to see how the rest of the series is going to shake out. Well, that's it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Voice Junkie Podcast. As always, support the podcast movement. Help it grow by sharing it to your friends and family. Until next time, people, I'll check you out on another episode. All right? Have a good day. Peace.